no, don't do that. Take some time. It's definitely not something you should be considering. In the lift, going up to the hotel room, oh, the yeah. night of the wedding, some lady in the lift just being like, you're very young. And we're like, yes, yes we've yes, heard this yes, many every, times. Every single person who we ever say it to says that. Is deranged? Is it cultural? Is it because you're religious? It was just the right path for us. Hello and welcome to the Not Ready podcast, an exploration of marriage from a modern and feminist perspective. My name is Lucy. Every year, around half a million people tie the knot in the UK. And next year, I'll be one of them. But although I'm excited, I feel like my decision to get married is somewhat uninformed. I know there are rational reasons to get married, apparently, but I haven't thought about them or factored them in. This decision was based primarily on say yes to the dress, don't tell the bride, and the modern equivalent of the Disney movie, the YouTube proposal video. Okay, it it runs deeper than that. Getting married is really important to me, but when I think about it, I can't tell you why. Marriage used to be something that everyone did, and that you had to do, especially if you wanted any power or financial security as a woman. Now it feels almost anachronistic. Marriage is patriarchal, it trades women between men like cattle. Until recently, it was almost universally homophobic. Today, same-sex couples are still excluded from marriage by many states and religious institutions. Also, that whole marriage is forever thing, yeah, tell that to Henry VIII. Now, 42% of marriages end in divorce. Plus, deciding to get married isn't an open and shut case. I now have all these decisions to make. Should I change my surname? Should I wear white? Is my engagement ring a sign of my ownership by a man? How do I make sure I'm not being a bridezilla while simultaneously stage managing a huge family occasion? Honestly, it's enough to make you elope. So here we are. This podcast is my vessel for trying to get some answers. I don't want to just turn up to my marriage. I want to know what I'm signing up to and investigate this choice that I and others have made. What does marriage mean in the 21st century? And what choices do we have when we enter into it? Each episode will dive into a different topic surrounding marriage and investigate the political and personal implications today. Along the way, I'll be talking to a host of wonderful different people to find out their experiences and perceptions of marriage and find out what choices they've made in their own lives. And maybe, somewhere along the way, I'll work out why I want to get married too. So thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode one. Am I too young? Okay. Here is a list of things that I feel too young to do. Number one, the obvious one really, it's kids, Um, not ready, do I even want them? Let's not think about that. Number two, move in with my partner without housemates. Definitely old enough to do that one. Do I want to? No. Number three is consider myself financially independent. I'm doing my best over here, but it's not support a dog money, if you know what I mean. And speaking of that, number four, get a dog. It pains me, but I'm just not ready. But here is one whopper of a decision that I am making to get married, to promise someone that 
no matter what happens, we will try and stay together until one of us drops dead. Is there a right age to get married? According to the Office for National Statistics, the mean age to get married is in your early 30s. In 2017, men entering opposite-sex marriages were an average of 38 years old, while women were slightly younger at 36. The average was slightly higher for people in same-sex relationships, at 37 for women and 40 for men. This is a change. The average age for marriage has been steadily rising over the last few decades. In 1976, over a quarter of all women were married by the age of 20. And the stragglers? Most likely married off by 30. Only 9% of women dared to enter their 30s without a ring on their finger. The average age of marriage was just under 23 for women and just over 25 for men. So why the shift? Well, there are a few reasons. The figures include second and third marriages, which are on the increase, but at the same time, fewer people are marrying young. Only one third of women and one quarter of men are married in their 20s or before. Nowadays, those married before 30 are in the minority. When I get married, I will be joining that minority. I will be 25, which, while younger than the average, is still really common. A large number of women get married between the ages of 25 and 29, more than in any other age bracket. The modal age for men is, you guessed it, slightly higher at 30 to 34. Although it's rarer than it used to be, people are not surprised at the idea of a couple in their mid-twenties getting married. But it still feels like an incongruously grown-up thing to do. I just left uni, I'm not established in a career, I don't own a house, I might never own a house. I don't even have my driving license yet. How on earth am I allowed to make such a life-changing decision? In 1994, New York Times writer Deborah Shupak coined the term starter marriage. She was describing first-time marriages entered into by young people who would then go on to divorce within five years without children or much by way of property to divvy up between them. These relationships have existed for as long as divorce has. In the 1960s, American anthropologist Margaret Mead described such arrangements as trial marriages. She saw marriage in two stages. The early years, where you could test out your relationship and see if you were a good match, before you progressed to the more permanent stage two, parenthood. In recent years, thanks to shifting social norms, Many couples have replaced this first marriage stage with cohabitation, but that hasn't spelt the end for early divorces. A 2014 Guardian article found that even in the 21st century, by far the highest divorce rates have been among women aged 25 to 29 and men aged either 25 to 29 or 30 to 34, depending on the year. There are lots of reasons why marriages come to an end, but it feels unsurprising that marriages entered into by very young people should fall apart. Your 20s are a time of discovery and change, studying, embarking on careers, living independently, traveling the world, values and ideals, hobbies and interests, aspirations and hopes. It's all up for grabs and no wonder relationships can change along the way. Neurologically speaking, your brain is still developing in your 20s. 
And according to a BBC article, a young person's emotional maturity, self-image and judgment will be affected until the prefrontal cortex of the brain has fully developed at age 25. Not to mention that anyone getting married young is potentially in for a much longer haul than anyone who marries later. Diamond wedding anyone? Marrying young seems like asking for trouble, and by trouble I mean divorce, and a statistically more common divorce at that. But go back a couple of generations, and it doesn't seem so crazy. For our grandparents and great-grandparents, and back and back for centuries, getting married at 20 or in your late teens was completely unremarkable. My own grandparents were married at 20 and 21 and they're still going strong. A lasting marriage built from such a youthful start seems nigh on impossible nowadays. But has the world really changed that much? Why do people still marry young today? And what's it like for those who do? To find out, I had to find a young couple. And I'm not talking 20s young. I'm talking young. Teenager young. I am Benjamin Greenham, I am 21 years old, and you are? Imogen Greenham, and I'm 20. And we got married on the 6th of September. 2018. A little bit over a year and a half ago. Ben and Imogen are students at the University of Cardiff, where they live with their cat, Castor, and their dog, Wren. They met when Ben's family moved to Sullyhull in 2013. She was 15, he was 16. Their birthdays fall on the same week, and when they married in 2018, they chose this week, which also marks their dating anniversary, for their special day. How old were you when you actually got married, both of you? I was 19. And I, I was, turned 19 the day before. Yeah, and I was 20, just having before. just turned 20 a few days before, three days before. We are, to, to use the very common phrase, oh, you're married, you're so young. And they are. In 2017, the year when the most recent statistics were released, only 1% of women getting married were, like Imogen, under 20, while Ben was one of the only 5% of marrying men that fall between the ages of 20 and 24. I think it's also worth noting, given that Ben only turned 20 a few days before the wedding, that statistically speaking, 0% of all grooms are under 20. The figure is so small as to be rendered insignificant in the data. This is an unusually young couple. Now, would I have been ready at the age of 19 or 20 to make such a life-changing decision? No, of course not. And I don't think many people would. I had a lot of preconceptions coming into this conversation with Ben and Imogen, some of which will come up later. I thought people who married this young were brave, but irresponsible. They didn't really know what they were doing. I thought they must be acting out of either some big romantic vision or out of religious ideology. That was the two options, pick one. And I didn't see any kind of middle path. I have to say, after this conversation, my mind has shifted a little bit. And maybe you've got some of the same preconceptions as I have coming in. So if you have, I ask you to please listen to what Ben and Imogen have to say. Do I think that getting married this age is right for everybody? No, I don't. And the majority of people I don't, but Ben and Imogen really shifted my mindset on how this maybe could work for someone young. 
I started by asking them how they met. There was a youth group run by the church. A mutual friend of ours invited Imogen along. We both sort of knew each other. I found Imogen to be very intelligent and lovely and a good person to talk to. Yeah, we um, just kind of ended up like exchanging phone numbers and just chatting over the summer. It became apparent that the feelings were mutual. I have strict parents, so we spent a year being more being friends. Definitely friends. We weren't actually allowed to hold hands or anything. It was quite funny. After that first year of <clears throat> friendship, Imogen's parents consented to their going out officially and the relationship quickly became serious. A couple of years in, the subject of marriage came up. We had a conversation that went, what is the purpose of this relationship for us? Is it just two people who like each other, hanging around and existing, existing together as a pair of teenagers falling in love? Or is it something that you want to be part of your life forever? And I had always, as a teenager, seen the purpose of a relationship to be to find your partner. Well, I intend to marry someone at some point. I had always assumed that would be a thing that happened. If this relationship is that, then this is earlier than I expected. I assumed because my parents met Same. at university, that was just the time that it would happen. But we yeah. got very lucky. The first year of us going out was kind of like, let's just see how this goes. Third year was kind of like, well, I guess I'll stick with you because you're lovely. One thing led to another, and there are no prizes for guessing what happened next. We had discussed the fact that I was going to propose I don't like surprises. At all. Imogen has Asperger's. So as part of that, you really don't, don't like, like sudden change or surprises. So it was something we had discussed extensively by that point. We had brought it up to my parents first. And um, then you uh, asked my parents. So we brought it up the first time and my parents said, no, wait, now is yeah. not a good time. They wanted to wait until you'd done uni so we could do the long distance thing. We then brought it up about three months later. We said, we're not going to wait that long. And we think we'll probably get engaged sometime December. soon. Um, and yeah, we then got engaged. December 23rd. Two days before Christmas, which was rather lovely. We made a pillow fort. And yes, Ben built me a pillow fort. And proposed in that. It was rather lovely. It was nice. It was, it was a good day. Ben and Imogen's persistence paid off. And despite their initial hesitancy, both sets of parents adjusted to the idea of them getting married, giving them their full support. However, when they announced their engagement, they had to defend their decision to a whole new group of people. Everyone. It was an experience. People's reactions were... I think anyone who knew us totally understood and was like, this is fantastic. Yeah. Anyone who didn't know us was quite negative. People who knew us less well were always more curious and probing with their questions. And wow, you're very young. We which... literally had it in the, in the lift going up to the hotel room oh, the yeah. night of the wedding. Some lady in the lift just being like, you're very young. And we're like, yes, yes we've yes, heard this yes, many every, times. Every single person who we ever say it to says that, which is wonderful. Except some people at church, actually. They were quite good. The people um, at church in the state. Obviously generations gone past particularly those who were around during the second world war there were people who got married in the days directly after or directly before the declaration of war or shortly after when they were deployed and i've met some couples that have been married ever since and who say getting married young was the best thing they ever did 
I think we got very different responses. Yes. <laughs> if, if I said, or if Ben said, if we were apart. Yeah. So if I brought it up, obviously you get the, oh, you're very young. Why? Uh, why, why are you making this decision? How do you know? You would get a much different response. Oh, yeah. The problem is because I'm mixed race, people kind of view me differently. So I'd mentioned they'd be like, is deranged? Is it cultural? Is it because you're religious? And it's like, no, no I actually love this person. And That's they true. Were quite... I did get the is it religious thing once or twice, but never, not in any way proportional to the response yeah. you got, which was I much literally more... got my head of sick form came to my house <laughs> to ensure that it, I wasn't being coerced. It was hilarious. My parents were like, she was like, I've got to check, but she's not being coerced. She doesn't need counselling. And my parents were like, we feel coerced. We need counselling. It was quite fun. These comments, apart from confirming my faith in the school system and the safeguarding of our children, came as a surprise to me. To be honest, before I spoke to them, I fully assumed that Ben and Imogen had religious reasons for marrying so young. They're both practising Christians, and Ben's mum works as a vicar. In fact, the reason I even know them in the first place is because Ben, a vicar's son, is friends with my partner Sam, also a vicar's son. So when they announced their engagement, Religion was the first explanation that sprang to mind. I mean, why else would you get married so young? Also, if you hear any creaking in this next clip, please excuse it. Imogen had just got a new rocking chair off FreeCycle and she looked so cosy in it, I didn't have a heart to tell her that it was interfering with the sound. My faith did not force me to do anything because my faith is a amalgamation of my experiences and wisdom that has been passed on to me by the people around me um, and therefore it, it kind of supported the decisions I made. It was an influence in as much as when you are a Christian to love one another is the main thing. Our faiths didn't force us into this yeah. but they came along for the ride because that's part of us. Yeah it's part of our identity but it wasn't the main driving force. I don't know at least for me our relationship and how we've done it and our religion are very different. It's obviously hard to work out why someone's made a decision and what's influenced that decision. Unless they have an explicit reason for why they're doing something and even then, our own biases kick in, their biases kick in and who knows what the actual truth of the matter is. Do two religious teenagers come up with the idea of marrying really young all on their own? Probably not. There probably is some religious influence there, some messaging about marriage that has come from the church, and that's all well and good. I think it would be wrong to use their youth as a reason to say that this is a religiously motivated marriage and purely religiously motivated. Like Imogen says, there are other driving forces. And I think I may have found a major one. I'm very much a pros and cons person, so I was studies and tables for everything. Which was rather lovely, because I am scientifically minded, I think was how one of my family put it. If you can find statistical data for something, that will definitely influence how I perceive it. With university, it was kind of an opportunity to live independently as a couple, which you wouldn't have had before. We read various studies on cohabiting because we were kind of told, why don't you just cohabit? And we just kind of looked at it. And statistically, it just didn't produce quite as good outcomes. And then we just fancied getting married over that. When we looked at the statistics, getting married young 
has worse outcomes up until you actually start to take a more nuanced approach to those statistics and you remove the number of people who are pressured by family or pressured by financial situation or people who don't really consider why they're getting married. If you remove those sort of groups from the average, getting married young actually is statistically no different or if you use a slightly different statistical model, slightly better than getting married in your 30s or 40s or later. So I searched high and low for the studies that Ben and Imogen are quoting here, and I couldn't find evidence to back up all of their claims. But I did find some really interesting things looking at the studies on young marriage and on cohabitation. We can talk at length about what a good or a bad outcome for a relationship is. I think there is a lot of baggage placed on the idea of divorce or separation as a failure. Sometimes relationships aren't meant to go the whole course and they stop serving a purpose for the people that are in that relationship. And I think there are times and places where separation and divorce is the best option for that relationship. However, I think any couple that are looking to commit to each other, whether through cohabiting or through marriage, are hoping that they're going to be staying together for the rest of their lives or for a very long time. So for the purposes of this investigation, I will be looking at separation and divorce as a worst outcome scenario. I started by looking at cohabitation. Ben and Imogen had always planned to get married eventually, and there have been loads of studies on the impact of cohabiting before marriage on your likelihood of divorce. Several think tanks claim that cohabitation before marriage causes divorce, but these sources also say things like cohabiting devalues you as a person, so excuse me for dismissing them outright. When you look at the data though, these claims do seem to check out. Well, sort of. A US government report found that people who cohabit before marriage have historically been more likely to get divorced than those who don't. But this gap has narrowed in recent years. The study's authors suggest that in the past the only people who cohabited were from groups at a high risk of divorce, and now cohabitation is more widespread among low-risk groups. Turns out that when you control for other divorce risk factors, cohabitation before marriage has no impact on the likelihood of divorce. Whether Ben and Imogen would have got to marriage if they'd just lived together a few years? Who can say? They're clearly very committed to be together. Their relationship survived the start of uni, after all. Ben proposed to Imogen three months into first year. As a comparison, I broke off my long-term relationship after only three weeks. A majority of people, 68%, who start cohabiting as teenagers break up within 10 years. If they get married, however, this figure falls to 46%. A win for marriage, maybe, but I'm sceptical. Cohabitant is just such a broad category. It encompasses relationships at all different stages and levels of commitment. Do these statistics check out for cohabitants who are determined to stay together? Is there really any difference between Ben and Imogen, the married couple, and Ben and Imogen, the committed, unmarried couple? So there may be an advantage to marrying versus just living together, but let's look at those stats on marrying young. At a glance, it's not looking good. 
The age at which you get married is inescapably correlated with your likelihood of divorce. It turns out there's a Goldilocks window for marriage. In your late 20s and early 30s, only 10-14% to of couples who marry at this point in their lives are divorced after 5 years, and if you get married later you're pretty safe too. Get married as a teenager though? 38% are divorced in the first 5 years, and this trend continues. Waiting to get married until you're 25 halves your likelihood of being divorced after 10 or 15 years. Good news for me, but not so great for Ben and Imogen. Marrying before you're 20 has a pretty poor prognosis. But is age to blame? It's just a number, after all. Well, it turns out that marrying young is also correlated with other things that put your marriage on shaky ground. An analysis by the University of Virginia found that couples in the US with an annual income of $50,000 or more were 30% more likely to stay together than couples who earned only $25,000 or less. Guess who are more likely to earn less than $25,000 a year? Couples who marry young. And there are other risk factors for divorce. Being a child of divorce. Being non-religious. Having a baby out of wedlock. Having a large age gap. The best thing you can do for your marriage? Get a degree. Those who hold a bachelor's degree are 25% less likely to get divorced than people who don't, even when you control for factors like financial pressure. Couples who marry young often find themselves at a disadvantage in many of these areas. They're less likely to get a university education, more likely to see their parents split up, and more likely to live on the poverty line. So it may not be age at all, simply that people with high risk factors for divorce are also more likely to get married young. However, age is not completely off the hook. Young people are, well, young. Divorcees from these young marriages give growing apart as a reason for their divorce more commonly than those who marry later. And according to a study by Florida State University, marrying at a later age is associated with less infidelity, less jealousy, and less abuse of drugs and alcohol, behaviours that, unsurprisingly, have been shown to predict divorce. Young people are more likely to be immature or take big risks, and in taking those risks are more likely to jeopardise their marriage. They have less life experience, and many are simply not prepared for such a big commitment. They're just too young. But what if you're a young couple who are educated, or working on that education, determined to stay together, with sensible heads on your shoulders, capable of managing your finances, and responsible enough to look after the dog that I'm not ready for. If you're that couple, you might see marriage as a viable option. At the end of the day, it came down to a question when asked, why are you doing that? I would often answer, why not? Yeah. I love you. We have similarly aligned long-term goals for our, our existence. We both want kids. We both want to have careers uh, to some extent. We want to live here in Wales. Yeah, live in a similar sort of fashion. So it, it made sense. Ultimately, for Ben and Imogen, marriage was the thing they wanted to do. And when they looked into it, it looked like the best option as well. Sure, they were doing it young, but other people's reactions to their decision didn't matter as much as giving themselves the best chance of sticking things out. 
But some people's opinions will always matter. Let's go back to before they were engaged. Three months after we first brought it up to my folks, we then brought it up again to my folks and then to your folks. Yes, and you took my parents out to dinner. I, I took um, Imogen's folks out to dinner. Remember, these are Imogen's strict and protective parents who wouldn't even let them hold hands in the first place. Yeah, I, I had planned entirely to take Bonnie and Jarrah out to dinner and it, that was just going to be how it was. But somehow, over a number of conversations, I ended up realising that both Imogen and her older sister were coming, which I've got to admit entirely threw me for a loop. Not so much Imogen, but definitely her older sister. It just, that was not who I was ready to do that discussion with. Because of Ben and Imogen's youth, they didn't have the power to dictate how this interaction went. I am picturing Ben with his heart in his mouth trying to explain this decision to Imogen's parents. So um, I took them out for a meal and then I went back to Imogen's afterwards and cornered just to corner just them in a room and Imogen and sort of had a conversation in which we were we were intending to get married. This wasn't me asking for their permission. Um, you didn't say that. That that was. I, I said that maybe not in as many words, but it was definitely very much not to ask for their permission, but to say this is a decision me and Imogen are making. This is a statement rather than a question. Yeah, it, I didn't want it to come from a place of a man asking for a woman's hand in marriage. That feel that felt a bit odd. That's not kind of what we are. It wasn't me asking. It was kind of us saying, this is what we've decided. We hope you're okay <laughs> with this. Um, to which they responded, yes, but please go and get your education. Don't let this stop you. stop you living. In everyone's transition into adulthood, there is a moment where you have to stand up to your parents and do something that they might be sceptical about. When you have to say, this is who I am and what I stand for and who I want to be. When my parents found out that I was getting married, I'd already lived away from home for several years. I'd done other rebellious things, like dyeing my hair and getting a nose ring, and worst of all, going vegan. I truly am a wild child. By the time it came to getting married, my parents didn't have as much power over my decisions anymore. In this way, Ben and Imogen's transition into marriage feels markedly different from my own. It feels parented. Your first responsibility is always to your partner, and that is something my family very much pushed for me to be aware of. I mean, I'm, I'm the oldest sibling, and I'm also the oldest sibling in our sort of cousin spiral. I'm my, both my mum and my dad are the oldest of their set. So I have always been sort of not responsible for everyone else, but that's kind of where my mind was at prior to this. And mum very much said, no, your responsibility is now to Imogen before anyone else, that's it. And and you very much were like that with me. And, and that's kind of where we're at. And it wasn't just parents who had wisdom to share. Remember those old people from church? There were people who got married in the days directly after or directly before the declaration of war. I've met some couples that have been married ever since and who say getting married young was the best thing they ever did. I've also met people who have had very different experiences and we have a massive advantage in the fact that that wealth of knowledge and experience 
I got to talk to a lot of people about it, which helped. Turns out that when you're a young couple getting married, lots of people want to check in with you and check that you know what you're doing and what you're getting yourself into. Ben and Imogen got to talk to a lot of different people about marriage before they did it, and they didn't even have to make a podcast to do that. Now, I know everyone loves unsolicited advice, but they've taken it well and they seem to have soaked a lot of it up. When you ask them about their relationship, they are quick to list off nuggets of sound, mature advice that sometimes seems far beyond their years. If I was to give one solid recommendation for any pair of people living together, let alone getting married, don't do it if you can't talk to that person. Don't do it if you can't talk to that person when you are highly emotional. If you can talk to each other when you are happy, good. If you can talk to each other when you are sad, better. If you can talk to each other when you want to jump up and down and just scream at the world because everything is going wrong, perfect. Because you're about to spend a hell of a lot of time with them and not all of that will be good. There will be terrible days where terrible, terrible things are dropped on you. And if you can't openly communicate what you need to in that moment, it's going to get really, really difficult for you very quickly. And having spoken to people whose relationships haven't worked, places where it has fallen down has been where they've allowed silence to fill their relationship. Because if you keep talking, then you're going to grow together. It's only if you stop talking that yeah. you grow apart. This means something coming from Ben and Imogen too. They have now been married for a year and a half. It's early days for them and they're still really young but they've already faced some huge emotional hurdles as a couple. Family turmoil and health issues, better and worse, sickness and health. For all I have said about this advice coming from parents and other people, Ben and Imogen are the ones who have put it into practice. At their young age, they've faced things that some couples never have to, and they've moved forward together. I was humbled talking to them. While most people spend their late teens and early 20s learning to become responsible for themselves, they have had twice the work, becoming responsible for themselves and to each other. They clearly put a great amount of effort into working on their relationship and ensuring that they are doing everything it takes to weather the many storms of life that lie ahead of them in the years to come. And good luck to them. But... Every couple has the best intentions when they get married. If I was going to work out what it really meant to marry young, I was going to need to talk to someone from the other side. Only go for it if you truly see yourself spending the rest of your life with that person. Like, just do it if your gut tells you fully, like, 100% do this. It might not be the case, but at first, it has to be the case. This is Daniel, not his real name. He's 23 and like Imogen. I got married when I was 19. But unlike Imogen. I've been separated for a year. We have quite a unique story. I am Venezuelan and I live in Argentina and my soon-to-be ex-wife is Canadian. It's, she's American-Canadian but she's living in Canada we got married in America, so we have like an international divorce going on, and that's 
really difficult. Daniel and his ex-wife met as teenagers and theirs was a modern love story. Uh, well, actually, um, <laughs> we met online to begin with. I saw her like, like in the discovery page of Instagram and I, I followed her and we just started talking. And then a year later, we kind of started liking each other. After talking online for a year, it was time for them to go and meet in person. So Daniel hopped on a plane. Uh, she was just waiting for me. I, I, I instantly recognized her. She actually like saw me pretty easily. I was uh, getting off the airport in rural New York, where I mean everyone was white except me, so it was kind of easy also like discerning me from the rest of the public. And we had this massive hug and like you know show off. It, it was really nice actually. It's one of my most fond memories when I saw her for the first time. But this couldn't be a normal teenage relationship. We quickly figured out that the only way that we were going to be able to be together was getting married because I could not move, I could not just move to America, you know, I, I needed um, like a visa and whatnot. And I, also she could just not move to Argentina because she would also need a visa. So, you know, we, we said like, okay, so let's get married so that we're able to be together. Daniel's wife couldn't speak Spanish, so they decided they would have to live in America. At first, it was great. It was so wonderful to be in the same place. When we were at distance, it was really difficult because you're, you're not seeing the person and you want to hug him and whatnot. But when we finally were together, and I say that when we finally moved in, got married and everything, it was quite nice, actually. I've never been this person, you know, like, you know, many young people are like, oh, yeah, I want to party. I want to be with as many people. I say, blah, 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 blah. That never really appealed to me. So it was really nice having someone who was like your best friend who, you know, we went to, to dinner dates, we watched movies, we, we watched TV series, we went outside to the parks. And, you know, it, it was nice having someone to always do things with. There was a lot of love, there was a lot of connection, there was, like everything was frankly amazing. But despite their connection, there were some issues from early on in their relationship, and not just logistical ones. Her family was not on board. First, they were on board with our relationship, but when they found out that we were going to get married, they turned out like they did at like a 180 and they got really against each other. They, they didn't disown her, but they did kind of do that. We had like a really, really small wedding and only my side of the family, I mean, not even my side of the family because we got married in, in the United States. My sister and everybody else, they're in other countries or in my home country. Only my dad and my little sister were in the United States. Our wedding was literally just her, me, my dad, my sister, my dad's wife, and some friends that we had. That was basically like everyone. Her whole family was in the United States and Canada, but they just didn't attend. And why, why weren't they supportive of your marriage? Well, I think the, the, the main thing was that she was initially going to study medicine in Canada, but she changed her plans to be with me and to study to be a nurse in the United States. And apparently her family did not like that choice. And um, they, I don't know, they just didn't like me. They, I wouldn't go as far as to say that they didn't like me because I was foreign. But I do remember her dad telling her, why couldn't you just find yourself like someone from the United States or Canada, you know?
nationality was a huge issue, with some of his wife's family accusing Daniel of only getting married for a green card, something he vehemently denies. This lack of support drove a wedge between Daniel and his wife's family. If someone held a family gathering, Daniel was not invited, his wife would have to go on her own. And the rest of the time, they were cut off. Daniel's wife went long periods without seeing her family, and that took its toll on their relationship. And there were other problems too. It would be like a little sad that she wasn't going to be a doctor. And I kind of attributed that a lot to myself. Like, shit, she can't be a doctor because she's with me. She came from, from a very rich family, and I obviously could not give her the same things her rich family could give her. I mean, we both have pretty good jobs, but, you know, you, you can't compare that to, to, like, a whole family. And, of course, since I was going through immigration in the United States, and that takes, like, a really long time, I could not go to university for, like, a long time. And that also weighed on me because I obviously also wanted to have my career. There was a, a, a few cultural differences. In South America, people, we tend to be a little bit more outgoing. We, we don't really think about what other people might think or say about us. And I noticed that people in what we consider the first world, you know, like North America, Europe, whatever, they tend to be a little bit more reserved. They tend to think a little bit more if they're going to, let's say, hurt the other person's feelings. Well, no, we don't do that. The final draw was that she was a little bit possessive, a little bit, and she did not like my friends. Out of spite, I started talking to this girl that used to be my best friend, who she kind of forgave me to talk with. And she kind of was like, yeah, this is it. Like, I, I am not going to stand you cheating, uh, like, you know, cheating. And I was like, I'm not cheating. These issues escalated over time. Eventually, it got nasty. The final straw was Daniel doing something that so many of us have done, especially with decisions that we made at the age of 19. He expressed a doubt. One day, I, I told her that if maybe this was like a bad idea and this was like two years into the marriage and that kind of spiraled out of control you know like one thing led to the other like we had some huge fights not that we didn't fight before but like this was like really massive fights the fight just got bigger and bigger and she was like i'm going home and i was like okay so just go home do it whatever and she did (laughs) she literally went home (laughs) and that was it Their marriage was over. I remember um, I didn't eat for four days. Nothing at all. Like, I didn't eat. She left on the 31st of December. So, New Year's Eve. And I remember spending... (laughs) I know this is going to sound pathetic. But I remember spending the night of the 31st alone in the sidewalk, crying, drinking a beer. That, uh, that's basically how I spent my New Year's Eve. Because obviously we were in our house and I was far away from basically everybody. And I was kind of like in like a, some sort of negation. Like I, I, I hadn't fully accepted that it was over. And this wasn't just a breakup for Daniel. When his marriage fell apart, so did his visa application. He no longer had a right to be in America. 
He couldn't go home to Venezuela. The situation was just too dangerous. So he spent the next few months trying to find somewhere to live. He eventually managed to seek asylum in Argentina. It took a long time for Daniel to start to return to normality after his marriage broke down. He was miserable for a long time. He had been away from Argentina for several years, so had to start from scratch. He's now a year separated, still waiting for his divorce to finalise, and has had time to reflect on his experiences and whether marriage was the right choice. I believe that if I had met her and she had turned out to be from my same country or from Argentina, which is where I was living, I believe that we would have been boyfriend and girlfriend for longer. But I would have still have gotten married. I mean, I, I just think we did it a little bit faster because we just wanted to be together. But I think at the end of the day, we did want to get married because we both cried when we got married. We both were really happy. Everything was very genuine. Like, I mean, yes, it was a little bit quicker, but you know, it was still genuine. It, it was still pretty heartfelt and it was still, you know, beautiful, let's say. I don't believe us getting married it did something to the relationship because her family was not on board. But within ourselves, getting married only cemented even more our love and trust for each other. Ultimately for Daniel, it was the right choice. It came down to this. If we hadn't gotten married, like our relationship just wouldn't have worked out because we couldn't have been together in the same country. So we kind of had to get married to be together. And we enjoyed it. Like, it was sad that her family wasn't on board. And I think it ultimately led to the downfall of her marriage. I, sometimes I think, yeah, maybe if her family was on board, maybe things would have been different. Relationships sometimes end. And no, like, thinking about how things would have been different doesn't help. Because of their situation, Daniel's relationship with his ex-wife wouldn't have gone as far as it did without getting married, so he doesn't regret that. Shortly after moving back to Argentina, Daniel started seeing a therapist. He was depressed and needed to work through the turbulent emotions of getting divorced. The therapist explained to Daniel that he had a condition called emotional dysregulation disorder. Which is not too bad, I would say. Like, this is not like being bipolar or something like that. It's just that sometimes you just cannot manage your emotions. The therapist taught him tools to cope with his condition, to exert more control over his emotions and express himself in a healthier way. Obviously, we all make mistakes, right? And the only good thing that I can say that I got from divorcing is that I've grown a lot as a person and I also started therapy and got diagnosed and now I have the tools to handle it and I have the experience of a relationship of like a long-term relationship and yes I would say that I've grown a lot as a person I'm way more understanding now I'm way more tolerant now I have less deal breakers now if someone is going to get married I would suggest that to do therapy by yourself because it's good to know yourself first it's good that your partner knows you should fully know yourself before marrying someone that, that that would be like my main advice this topic 
of teaching yourself to grow up and develop your emotions came up with Ben and Imogen as well. Imogen is training to be a doctor, but she has a keen side interest in psychology. She and Ben have clearly thought about this a lot. Use, use your words, use your, in, use your inside voice, as my mother would say to small children. Sam sometimes says that to me, use your words. <laughs> oh, it's a thing, isn't it? It's really hard at first. Yeah. And at first you often end up kind of, Just, when I was little, you know, you walk off and you have a think and then you come back. But eventually it kind of becomes second nature. And, and that's an important thing. Don't expect it to come all at once. Most people don't actually understand why they haven't developed beyond a toddler. I definitely didn't until, like, Imogen actually pointed out, your way of dealing with your emotions isn't healthy. And I was like, no, I know that, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And, like, working through the toddler system of, okay, so actually stop, take some breaths and think. And it's like, oh, yes, I can do that. That's a thing I could do. And going from having to actively cognitively think of doing that to the point where you just do it instinctively is wonderful. Um, and yeah, we've come a long way. <laughs> Me particularly, it's kind of going from, yeah, to be fair, we have both developed in our capacity to use our words. If you're going to marry young, you're up against your own immaturity, your own inability to communicate as well as you like and to express your emotions. You're going to have to work on it. Daniel is now doing a lot better. On a scale of 1 to 10, he puts himself at a 6.5. He's working on a sci-fi novel and has plans to move to Australia in the next few years. The million dollar question here, of course, is would Daniel and his wife have separated if they had been older? We saw earlier how issues like jealousy, which clearly caused problems in their relationship, are associated with marrying young. I would also argue that something like family disapproval is probably easier to withstand as you get older, or at least older people will have the maturity to decide whether it is something they can cope with before taking the plunge. Mental illnesses, like Daniel's emotional dysregulation disorder, are associated with higher rates of divorce in all age brackets. But when he got married, Daniel didn't even know he had a mental health problem, let alone how to manage it in the context of a marriage. And maybe Daniel's wife would have been able to weigh up the choices she was making between career and him and make a more informed choice if she'd been a few years older. Maybe a few more years of self-knowledge and maturity would have helped this young couple to stay together. But then divorce still happens when people marry older. Ultimately, we'll never know. They got married young and they got divorced. Some people see divorces that happen while people are still young as no problem, it's no big deal, you're still young, still plenty of time to date and live a full life. But these are serious relationships, and their dissolution is dragged out by legalities. To quote that 1994 article on starter marriages, People think these are disposable marriages, that you just waltz out. Oh my god. Who waltzes out of a marriage? If you are going through divorce and you're also young, my heart goes to you because I know how tough it is. I know how soul-wrecking it is. I feel like a complete failure. <laughs> like I feel 
I, I just feel sad. Sometimes, even though it's been like over years, sometimes I just don't believe that I'm divorcing, that I'm divorced. Like, how? I, I, I thought I was going to spend my whole life with her. I thought we were going to have kids and we, we were going to grow old. But, but, but no, that, that, no, that just isn't the case. I don't believe that I could get married again because I took my vows very seriously. I still have it kind of burned into my memory when I looked her in the eyes and I said, you know, I do. And I, I just cannot see myself looking at someone new and telling them that again. I mean, may, maybe in the future I could change my mindset, of course, but right now I just do not see that happening. If and when you two are together, just just enjoy yourselves, you know? Uh, sometimes I still get a little bit sad because I got a little bit complacent towards the end. We weren't unhappy by any means, but I got complacent. I remember she would want to go, uh, for example, my ex didn't know the beach. She did not know how a beach looked like because she grew up in the mountains. And I got complacent and I never took her to the beach. That kind of haunts me. In a 2014 YouGov poll, more than one in four people described their spouse as their first love. And the findings are good for these relationships. People in these first love marriages are more likely to describe themselves as definitely still in love with their partner, to have never thought about leaving, and to see themselves as together until death. Couples who marry young have a higher divorce rate than couples who marry later. But that doesn't mean disaster is inevitable. Talking to Ben and Imogen can sound like listening to a relationship textbook at times. And of course, it's easier to mention good advice than to put it into practice. But if you ask me, it's a pretty good start. The work they have put into their communication and emotional development is huge, but it seems proportionate to the mammoth commitment they have taken on. Best case scenario, they have 50, 60, maybe even 70 years ahead of them. If you're mature enough to take on that work, marriage might be right for you. If not, ah, give it a few years. So to my question, am I too young to get married? Statistically, no. Turns out I'm getting married in that sweet spot just after 25. Plus, Sam and I both have our degrees, thank you very much. But after talking to Ben, Imogen and Daniel, I'm not taking this lightly. Many marriages between young people don't work out, and that separation comes with the hefty weight of being divorced. I don't want to be complacent about my marriage. I want it to work. So I'm going to take their advice and work on myself, on using my words and my inside voice. Are young people who get married doomed to divorce? No. It's more likely than other ages, but when they work, these marriages can be strong, lifelong bonds. All we can do is try our best. The Not Ready podcast is written and produced by me, Lucy Hallam, with script editing by Sam Marshall. The music in this episode was created by Kevin MacLeod, who makes wonderful royalty-free music for creatives to use in their projects. 
The tracks used in this episode were Loopster, Past Sadness, Into Your Arms, and Study and Relax. And you can find these and the rest of his library at incompetech.com. This link and the rest of the sources used in this episode can be found in the show notes at notreadypodcast.com. A huge thank you goes to my guests on this episode, Ben, Imogen and Daniel. They were all so kind and open with their stories and ideas, and I could not have done this without them. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please share it with your friends and family and drop us a five-star review on whatever platform you are listening to it on. This will help more people to discover the podcast as well. If you have a story about marriage or would like to write to the show, please send us an email at notreadypodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at notreadypodcast. And don't forget the K. Not Ready is also looking for a sponsor. If you would like to sponsor this show and have your brand advertised in every episode, please email us at notreadypodcast at gmail.com. Next time on Not Ready. Marriage is different to cohabitation, but how? How does getting married impact your relationship? Over the next two episodes, I'm going to find out. We were just really excited to live together and not have to travel to see each other. Just like a, almost like a nice validation even because you're making decisions together and stuff, there's more of that thing of like, oh, this is our life now. Society still puts quite a lot of emphasis on marriage, so it has changed our circumstances in some quite practical ways. The, the courts will probably talk in grand terms about the sort of, you know, emotional support that a, a spouse provides during marriage, but when it comes to what a court can enforce, it does just come down to money. That's next time on Not Ready.